and welcome to The Connected Singer with Michael Hill and me, Julie Thompson. We're both singers and vocal coaches who love researching and learning new ways to keep in tip-top shape vocally and mentally. We know that being a performer is a hugely rewarding but also demanding career for mind, body and soul. And we want to help you find the balance you need to keep going on your musical journey. Each week, we'll be speaking to performers, teachers and expert practitioners in a range of fields. From psychology to sports science to recce who will share their knowledge and experiences to provide you with a toolkit of ways to keep well, beat performance anxiety, avoid burnout, and get the most enjoyment out of the pursuit we all love, singing. Welcome once again to the Connected Singer podcast, everybody. We've just finished talking to Sam Carter, and it was another very interesting episode into the world of folk this time. And from someone that didn't anticipate initially going into that career, that's what I found quite interesting. I think when we first started talking, didn't we, Michael? We thought, oh, we're going to ask him about, you know, has it been this folk love all of your life? And he must have been sort of coming from a very sort of folk family or been in this culture since he was a tiny tot. (laughs) And then as it transpired, it was something that he'd sort of grown a love for as a result of his environment and how his kind of musical journey led him to the folk world. I thought that was something really interesting because it kind of highlights that we should perhaps always remain open when we start a career in music or we start a journey, a musical journey, that to be open-minded and be willing to use music to connect with people and just see where it leads. Um, That's what I took away from it. And also the fact that He was kind of humble about it, very open, very warm, just easygoing, easy to chat to. And and yet he's had quite a high profile sort of career in part. Mm -hmm. So learning about that journey is really interesting. What I also loved, because this reminded me of conversations we've had in the past, that music in the community is really important. And that's what gave him the confidence to to start singing and to actually start expressing himself vocally through this community spirit that we all often associate with the folk world but that was something that gave him not just inspiration but also that confidence to pursue a career in music really yeah i suppose you know with any community of course there's always ups and downs so i I, you know i don't want to say that it's just you know this going perfect thing but there is something really fantastic about the folk community in the fact that it comes from this long lineage of passing things down and sharing. Yeah. And that's really important. It's quite, in a weird way, although it's been happening for hundreds and hundreds of years, it's so refreshing nowadays the way to, to yeah. work that way, to say, well, you know, here's a tune. I'll teach yeah. you this tune. You know, you sing it this way. I don't sing it that way. But, you you know, you can you can do it this way or listen yeah. to her version or... and. And it's more about just the fact that it's it's people getting together and, and sharing. And, you know, even if you're writing new music, that's quite a nice way to find inspiration is to think, what's going on around me? Can I get into the headspace of yes. what that would be yep. like? And and in yep. doing so, you, you then create something that feels real yeah. and authentic. And, you know, it's, it's just more what we do. You know, we get together and we say, oh, did you hear about John the other week? He was in town. <laughs> yeah. And that's... 
that that is what is is passing forward. You know these these fantastic stories, and and there's sometimes there's nothing truer than or you know what's the phrase about you know real life. You can't make it up. It's, yeah. it's like a film. <laughs> you know some some of these stories. It's you, almost you like a soap opera. Better. Yeah. <laughs> It's, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's just lovely to to think that way, you know, musically to to think, yeah. well, you know, I'm not bound by oh it has to be this and it has to be that. It's just tell stories. Yeah, it's the storytelling element to it, isn't it? That I think was highlighted as a as a way to be creative and to be, as you say, inspired, but also alleviate some of the pressure of having to think about things that have happened in your life and feel that that's the only way that you can connect to a song when clearly it isn't. For myself, if I've ever written stuff, it has been very personal. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can create a block because you're too connected to it and you think you're going to expose yourself too much. Whereas you can talk really sensitively and really openly about a theme that perhaps isn't your story. And because it's not your story, you're able to do that. Well, there's that, you know, a lot of great albums have happened in the wake of bad things, you know, breakups and disasters and, you know, whatever, tragedies, all that stuff. You know, we all love that music because it's it's real and it's authentic. But then I suppose you, you don't want your career to hinge on, yeah. you know, everything being rubbish all the time because we don't quite like to have a nice life. So. <laughs> So what do you so what do you do? And and I suppose what Sam's world, even for him as a writer as well, it's it's saying just be curious and interested in what other people are doing. Yeah. I could look out the window and look at what the neighbor's doing in the garden and think, yeah. I wonder why she does that and then let my imagination run wild. Yes. Yeah. And I might end up with a story that's worth yeah. telling. It doesn't have to be exactly what happens, but it's just, you know, that window in the world and letting your imagination take over. Yeah, and I think that's a really lovely thing to remember just in life in general, isn't it? Because we do talk about how much of a closed sort of society we've become uh, because of technology, because we're constantly looking at our phones, we're communicating through our phones and we forget to look up or to look out. And I think, you know, a lot of the old school songwriters were always kind of seen as these people that saw things that other people didn't see. You know, they, they would have this curious mind. But I think if we brought a little bit more of that into our life in general I think we would gain we're gonna gain that connection with people again and as you say trigger that um, imagination that perhaps we seek when we're looking through our phones or we're seeking you know through other mediums and things yeah and it's one of these um at the time of recording because of this tv series stranger things yeah Kate Bush has had this number one hit, which is wonderful. I love her. So it's, I'm always happy to see her <laughs> get recognition. But the music is moving this new generation and they're like, oh, what's that about? You know, what's what's going on? And oh, it's so passionate and powerful. And it is. But you ask, you know, uh, there was, there's been interviews. What's that about? What's the song about? Oh, well, I just imagined what would happen if, if yeah. the guy and the woman swap places. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't a real experience, but yeah. it was a real imagination. It was yeah. an authentic experience and that channeling, what would that be like? And if I only could I'd make a deal with God, I'd get him to swap our places. You know, that's 
yeah. that was the, the, the spark for the story. And you think, well, that creates amazing work. So we don't we don't have to always hope that we'll have something to suffer about. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, everybody's perception is different of a situation because of our experiences. You know, we would perceive something very different to, to the next person. Yeah. So I think that's also something to take away from it is that even if, and I guess this is going back to the folk world, these stories that they're talking about, these uh, traditions and fairy tales or myths and all mm-hmm. of these stories with different meanings, that someone's going to write about that, it's going to be very very different to the next person so you can still have the same story if you like but then create something new from it and I think that also gets you into a creative flow because that releases blockages which um, you know we all get caught up in our head oh, I've got to be unique I've got to be unique well just again this unique theme just be you and see the world as you through your eyes and you will come up with a unique story and a unique interpretation and I think that makes it so much easier doesn't it and we, we make things a little bit too difficult I think sometimes. I was just laughing to myself because I thought someone's probably already thought of this but I was thinking shouldn't we all have you know that thought that the first letter of unique is you. <laughs> Brilliant. Painted it, Michael. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you know, I I, I know I'm being a total cheese ball, but it's it's, it's, It's it's true true that you only have to bring yourself into the the mix. Yeah. Whether that's your imagination, your experience, your story, whatever it is, uh, and then it becomes unique. I think we're all, maybe with the pressures of creating music nowadays, there's this constant stress about how can I separate myself from everyone else? Yeah. And it's easy to forget that, you know, we're maybe not seeing the wood for the trees. That, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, all we are, are all different, so that, that matters. Absolutely. And that goes into every element of performance as well doesn't it same with the voice the way the voice sounds you know you can learn a specific technical way to sing things but you'll still sound different from the next person that's doing it and I think that's that's something that we should never forget and uh, and just celebrate that more I think celebrate that rather than than thinking about how I can improve myself all the time I think it's uh, yeah learning to celebrate who you are right now and um, yeah. and 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 flow through life with that more and you know if you if you if you haven't uh just thinking if you haven't seen you know this folk world in action if if it's if it's not something that you've you've grown up with or come across you know go to something like uh celtic connections in glasgow in january or go to see sam in concert because it is this or the after party that's the thing you should go to because that's (laughs) just to see people yeah. Doing this very communal, respectful thing of get up, do a song, next person gets up, you know, everybody just shares in this experience. It's yeah. it's just, it feels connected, yeah. you know, which is what our podcast <laughs> is all about. Oh, you're on fire today, Michael. <laughs> I know, I know. Logans, t-shirts, placemats, table, you know, covers. I'm selling them all today. Get connected. But, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just, I think we should all, yeah. you know, Absolutely. challenge ourselves and say, oh, I don't know much about that genre. I'm going to go and yeah. check it out and see what I can learn from it. And maybe they'll learn something from me and we can all just find out from each other what it is that makes us love what we we do because that's ultimately whether you're a metalcore singer or a folk singer or a pop singer it's about the love of the the music and we can all respect that about each other even if we don't really 
know it that well or know the genre, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's delve straight into the interview with Sam Carter because um, it's definitely uh, a world that is fascinating and also very inspiring. And remember, stay connected. (laughs) So we're so lucky to have a very talented and hardworking singer-songwriter and guitarist with us today. Originally from the part of the world that I grew up, in the Midlands, I bet you didn't know that. Wonderful (laughs) part. Is a highly acclaimed instrumentalist, particularly renowned for his English finger-picking style. He has won awards such as the BBC Folk Award, appeared on national radio and TV, including shows such as Later with Jules Holland, toured the world and has had seven releases to date. His most recent being Home Waters and Home Waters Live, which is just beautiful. I've had listened to that already. Um, and he is currently touring with that. So we are delighted to have the pleasure to talk to this incredible talent about his musical and vocal journey. So please welcome the wonderful Sam Carter. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> oh, it's great to see you. Thank you for being here and taking the time yeah. in your busy schedule. <laughs> Not a problem at all. Pleasure. Yeah, it's brilliant. I think we need a sort of audience clap sound effect, don't we? Because yeah. otherwise it's like, oh, yeah. and the sound of one hand clapping. Very sexy. Um, <clears throat> I'm into that. That's nice. Yeah. So I, I guess the start, it'd be great to hear uh, about how, just how you became a full-time uh, folk musician. And I guess, was it, you know, was it your first love? Is it your one and only love? Or was there like an electro beatboxing background that we don't know about. Mm. How did you get to where you are now? Well, that's a good question. Um, I, I mean, I, I can't remember a time when I didn't sing or want to sing, um, or, and, and pretty much can't remember a time when I didn't play guitar. Uh, I think I started when I was really young. Um, um, maybe eight, I think I started playing guitar and my dad played classical guitar when I was young. Um, at, and um, there was a guitar in the house. So at some point I picked it up and uh, I think I already, you know, I sort of figured out how to play a few chords and my dad said to me, hey, you should go and get some lessons. I went, oh, all right. <laughs> and so <laughs> so I started on a journey of, of, of guitar. That was my, my first, um, and still is my main kind of f- sort of formal training route in music is through the guitar, you know. So um, I... Uh, I played in various bands as I was growing up and I got more into electric stuff actually. So in my teens and my, my early twenties, I played in sort of various sort of, uh, grunge and rock bands and so on. And I, and I still you I know, love, love electric or loud music. <laughs> you know, I love loud music. I've made some louder albums as well. Um, uh, still a part of what I do, but I, at some point in my, uh, when I finished uni, which would have been when I was 21, um, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, but the only thing I really knew what to do well, and the thing that I loved doing was playing music. And I thought to myself, well, if that's what I want to do, I'm going to try and do something with it. Um, At the time I had, um, you know, I'd written a few songs and I'd sort of got, um, you know, some skills together on guitar and stuff like that, but I didn't really have very much going for me (laughs) other than that. So... um, uh, one day over the, that summer, when, after I'd finished uni, my friend phoned me up and he'd moved to London. He lived in um, uh, Chalk Farm and his uh, friend had moved out of the flat and paid the rent and just left it for a month. 
And he said, well, if you want to come down to London for a month and see how you get on. I can remember this really miserable summer where I was reading through the Guardian ad jobs and going, oh, you can be a graduate tea, graduate tea taster was actually the most fun sounding one that I, I thought I could probably get on with. And the rest of them, I was, I don't even know what this job means. Um, and so I thought, well, yes, I'm going to take my friend upon this offer to go to London and, um, you know, in that completely naive way of like, oh, that, that's how everything works out. You just go to London. You, <laughs> I remember um, that well. And, I resisted yeah. that actually. I was like, no, I'm not oh, going to. Very I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> very smart. Very smart. Yeah. So I did that. I made that move to London. And and then off the back of that, I, I, I started playing solo gigs because I didn't know anybody at the time. So it made sense for me to be playing solo. And because I could accompany myself with guitar, I, I I sort of gravitated towards that and I'd always loved that sound, whether it was um, blues musicians or folk musicians um, or, or kind of pop singer-songwriters. I'd always loved that delivery of one voice and then one instrument and I thought that it's such an expressive and kind of intimate way to deliver a song. And so it kind of became my thing. You know, I started, I started going out and meeting other musicians a little bit and going doing open mic nights and so on and... And gradually things started to sort of pick up from there. Um, I kind of started to meet other musicians to work with. I sort of found that there was this sort of folk uh, and acoustic scene in London. And at the same time, that was where my listening was kind of going. I was sort of getting into people like John Martin and Nick Drake and um, uh, and then gravitated more towards sort of more traditional English singers like Martin Carthy and Nick Jones and Martin Simpson, people like that. So it, it kind of slowly evolved towards the sort of sound that I make now. It wasn't like I woke up one morning and said, I'm going to do, do this. You know, it just kind of slowly evolved over time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I could go on, but that's quite a long answer already. So. <laughs> quick break to remind you that we have more info on Sam's music activity in the info below. As we shall soon hear, Sam loves the music community and is often collaborating with other fantastic musicians. So please take a look and perhaps even follow him on social media. He's often playing live or featuring somewhere or other. <laughs> you may even learn about some new exciting music or artists. But first, let's continue with the conversation as Sam really opens up about the challenges he has experienced as a singer that many singers face and how he personally overcame them, which I think we could all learn from. So let's dive in. The Connected Signal. Do you think that maybe sort of a sense of a place can influence your music? You built your career or started to move in a direction because... You'd moved to London, obviously, and that just seemed to be the musicians perhaps you were working with. And, and as you say, the folk scene kind of lends itself really well to sort of solo artists, doesn't it? And open mic nights mm. and things. It's, you know, if you're going to go with the grunge route, then you need a band, don't you? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, uh, and that can be difficult sometimes to find those people that are on the same page. But yeah. do you think there were any influences from the Midlands as well? You know, that there are any sort of styles from the Midlands that have influenced your folk music do you think that's, that's a really interesting question because the midlands is for some reason not many traditional songs and tunes were collected in the the midlands and you know the coast down south um you know 
pretty much everywhere else in the country there's loads of stuff but the collectors just didn't bother with the midlands i'm <laughs> i'm i'm vehemently opposed to the idea that it's just that we didn't have any good songs i think it's more that the collectors couldn't be bothered to go up that far um, from london <laughs> you know, <laughs> they went to hampshire and, you know, places like that but yeah they didn't go to the midlands it just seemed a bit drab and they didn't bother so um uh so it, it wasn't really that but for me um personally i I grew up with, I mean, my parents are avid um, church goers. And so I grew up in that world when I was really young and my parents used to take me to church. And so that was where I heard people singing and first, you know, in real life. And it was always this thing. And now looking back, it was like, oh, that's, that's not something everybody had. But it was just people sing. You know, it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter. You didn't have to have a great voice. You didn't have to be on stage. It's just people sang. That's what people do. They get together and they sing as part of their, yeah. you know, what they yeah. do. So so when it came to the folk scene, it's like, oh yeah, people just sing. It didn't yeah. seem odd to me. You know, I think some people it's quite, it's like, how did you get into folk music? It's like, well, because it has this thing of being rooted in community singing and this this world where the performer and the audience are not divided off from each other in the same way that they are in in pop and rock where we kind of have these artists up on a on a pedestal and and then we have these consumers if you like in the audience who listen to these experts do their thing and i'm not against any of that you know i love yeah. um rock stars and all the rest <laughs> of it I'm, I'm totally into that but the ethos of 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 um of folk music from that point of view seemed completely natural to me from having come from that that um church background which um i you know i so that part of that that world i carried on with me that theologically it's not where i've ended up let's just say that but yeah. the, <laughs> but the um but the um that kind of ethos of everybody gets together to sing and in in a community um really resonated with me and i really value that about about um about folk music that it's it's fine for everybody to sing and it doesn't you know yes there are great performers out there and people go and congregate specifically to see these great singers but also people just sing yeah. and that's great yeah. you know no i, I do <laughs> you know, know what? i absolutely love that and it was it's interesting actually because we had um, an interview with an australian professor oh, wow. uh, dr kenny and she was talking about how important community music is especially for musicians that want to sustain a career in music because this um well, first of all, you're giving back to the community and giving is also something that's very fulfilling, isn't it? It Absolutely. also takes Absolutely. the pressure away yeah. from you. I think it also makes music more accessible. And as you say, there's nothing wrong with putting, you know, the stars on a pedestal and there's got to be, there's always going to be very, very famous people. But yeah, yeah this can be a lot of pressure, can't it? Because you feel that you have to prove yourself all the time or compete with those that are in your field in order to be the best. Um, and I think this can be really draining, especially of your confidence. And I think we forget to remember <laughs> um, the joy that it gives to others as well as ourselves. And remember why exactly we decided to make music in the first place. Um, and usually it's to express ourselves or to connect with others. Absolutely. And perhaps if we were encouraged to focus mm. more on how singing enhances our community in so many ways, mm. we would have less cases of anxiety and mm. also issues mm. such as imposter syndrome that we see and we hear about. 
a lot these days. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I get that too. I have imposter syndrome all the time. You know, I'm const- I'm, I'm very sort of, you know, every time you get on a stage, you know, you, you kind of, you, you know, with a guitar or to sing, you, you know, you think about all the amazing people that have done that over the years and are still doing it now. And you kind of think, hang on a minute, can I really do this? You know, do I deserve to be doing this? You yes. know, that, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. I think that's very common. Um, but also I think stemming from, as I was saying, my kind of background in, in that kind of church world a little bit and then folk you know community singing I'm going to call it rough yeah. you know I, I I also have a sense of like no it's fine for me to sing because it's fine for you to sing and it's fine for yes. all of us to sing yeah. you know yeah. so so that gives me a bit of confidence to get on stage and think I don't have to have the best voice ever I just have to have something to say that resonates with people yeah. whether through my lyrics or through the way I I sing um because that's really what people are there to get, I think, from music is a sense of connection, that sense of, I recognise something about that. And it, it, it's, I've been in that place, you know, people like to relate to the stuff that they're, they're hearing. Um, and, and sometimes also music offers obviously escapism and we get, you know, we think of David Bowie or somebody like that and this kind of fantastical sort of figure that we sort of takes us into another world. And that is also an aspect of, of music, obviously. But I think in folk in particular, it's for me, it's about a kind of resonance yeah. and it's about, you know, so I think I, that's the thing that gives me confidence to go past the imposter syndrome and think, who do you think, you know, who do you think you are? So, well, I'm somebody and, and people are basically all made of the same stuff. And if I say, if I'm able to, if I express as best I can, what this song means to me, yes. then other people will will hear something in that and, and that will be a valuable experience for people. And um, this is all getting a bit heavy. No, but, yeah. but that's, that, that, that's kind of how I think about it and that's how I get past that feeling of like, mm, who do you think you are getting up on stage the same as, you know, whoever it is has and, you know, all that. So, yeah. yeah. But there are a lot of musicians, <laughs> there are a lot of us out there though, aren't there? So, I mean, there's a lot of people making music. and Absolutely, and, brilliant people. Yeah. And absolutely, yeah, fantastic. Very talented people. And, you know, there's the there's the stadium experience that we all quite like, but there's also that intimate gig that we like as well. And, mm. and as a listener, we like to be able to connect with musicians on a slightly more intimate level. So you know, we like to, we don't we don't always want to yeah be one in in hundreds of thousands of people and that person be a spot on the stage. <laughs> mm. You know, it, it can be an euphoric experience sometimes being in a stadium, but it can, you get to, you get to really hear the cracks in the voice or the expression being in a small environment and, mm. and people want that experience as well, or just to go to the local pub and listen to some live music, yeah. you know, spontaneously, you know, yeah. and that's why there'll always be jobs for us out there on whatever level <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there are, there's music that, that suits I mean this is this is an obvious point really but not some some styles of music are suited to venues better than you know yeah. some venues rather than other venues so for example yeah. I'm, I'm also in a band called False Lights which is a, a a rock a folk rock band with six people in it making a lot of noise and that's not a very good fit for a for a small art yeah. center kind of folk club type <laughs> gig but for a festival it's it's great and we jump up and down and we kind of get the audience singing along and that has a certain vibe to it that suits that yeah that that venue but for sort of smaller venues and art centers and folk clubs and that kind of thing that sort of world small theaters um i don't think you can really beat that 
one yeah. performer and one voice kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. That's just yeah. my, that's my interest, you know, but it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> totally, totally agree. And I think it's a, it's inspiration as well for other musicians to be able to see people working in that environment. You know, it, as you say, it allows people to sort of say, yeah, I want to get up and do that. And mm. why not? And, um, mm. and also what I was thinking as you were talking is that, we only practice as singers. We need to be uh, we need to be on stage as often as possible in order to get better. So everyone's mm. got to start somewhere, you know. Mm. And and if you can sort of show that it's okay to go up there, and I, Sam, your voice is very pure and it sounds very well trained. Actually, that's crazy because uh, I I don't I have not you know really trained it. So. Which is a question <laughs> we were going to ask say. you, wasn't it, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> But um, but it's it's good to hear those cracks or like to mm. see that it comes from it's driven from an emotional sort of expressive mm. place rather mm. than trying to be perfect. Mm. Oh well, thank you. I, I that's that's really nice to hear. Thank you. It's very <laughs> kind. <laughs> it's, it's interesting you said about you know the 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 lack of um, collation of stories, you know, or songs from from the Midlands because I suppose in you know, certainly in the 20th century, you know, the Midlands made up for a big style. You had everybody, you had Black Sabbath and Slade and all these people, like all these big bands. Um, mm. And it's, it's interesting with folk that um, <clears throat> there's an element of kind of channeling, you know, the past. Mm. You know, to me, like thinking about my own uh, upbringing, this idea that you are sort of a, you become like a tradition bearer. Mm. But when you're writing, you know, new music, is there any of that, you know, when you're writing that there's a sort of resonance of the past or something? Because, you know, as you say, there's probably not like a direct bouncing off point from here's a tune from, you know, Rutland from 1860 mm. or whatever. <laughs> but is there still something that, that can be taken or learned or passed on from that time into new music mm. I, I think absolutely and in lot it, for me it's happened in lots of different ways I mean it's funny that you should say that because I have taken traditional tunes from a couple of hundred years ago and written new lyrics to them and made them about something a bit more contemporary you know I have actually sort of di you know directly taken something and, and done that with I wrote a song called Dreams Are Made Of Money um, which came from an old hymn uh, and the chorus was originally "Glory, Hallelujah," and its dreams are made of money now, at least in my version. And um, uh, that came from a um, an American shape note hymn, which is another whole thing that I'm I'm kind of into. But it's a, it's a traditional folk kind of melody originally. Um, but I think also in terms of the the storytelling and the way that it works in in let's say ballads, so traditional songs that tell stories, um, I've learned a lot from the pacing of those songs and also things like telling uh, the story in third person, you know, um, so telling a story about different people, you know. Um, I mean, that happens in pop music as well. You think like Daniel of by Elton John or something like, something like that, you know, it's not like it's only, ha it only happens in folk music, but storytelling is, is definitely something that, or Eleanor Rigby, you know, for example, but so everything comes out... Uh, a lot of stuff comes out of that sort of folk tradition and 
you know, I feel I feel okay writing a song with like four or five verses of the same tune if I want to do that. I think that's what, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that comes out of my folk roots, I think. And you know, maybe in the pop scene, it, you know, it's it was probably frowned upon. But I like the development that you can get from from allowing the song to have a bit more space. And um, I think there's something kind of magical that happens when you have that repetition as well. This is maybe a bit of an aside, but I think what happens is people stop listening to the tune because they realize that it's the same over and over again. Um, and they really pay attention to the lyrics because there's nothing changing in the, in the maybe necessarily in the tune or the music. So they really focus in on the lyrics. And I think, I think I've sort of picked up, that's something I've picked up from traditional music is really the emphasis on, on the stories in, in, in the lyrics, you know, I mean, there's some beautiful tunes as well, but, but that's definitely something that, that I've done. And also the kinds of things that, that traditional songs are about, which is, you know, love and loss and a lot of things about migration and, and people being displaced. And, you know, it's like, well, how many of these topics aren't relevant anymore? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I really think it has, it has a lot to, to offer, you know? Yeah. It's, it creates an awareness again of these topics. You know, it, as you say, they're, they're they're very relevant, but it's offering a different perspective, and it's in the sort of safety of musical context, isn't it? And as you say, if you're the storyteller, even if you've written it, it kind of removes you from that. If you wanted to be uh, dis, not, not not disconnected from the the emotion, but kind of what you're actually saying, you can be. You, know, you can mm. be somebody that's kind of just putting it out there for people to then ponder on and reflect on, without it mm. actually being maybe something that you deeply feel deeply mm. about. You might, but it, I was just thinking about the sort of imposter syndrome and and also connections <laughs> to stage fright and those kind of yeah, things. Yeah, that's you interesting. Know, yeah, it kind yeah. of allows you to have a little bit of distance and not feel personally attached. Mm. Should <laughs> you not get and, the response that you want? That, that's really interesting. You, you said that and it's kind of jogged me to think, uh, to kind of talk about the idea that um, it is that being able to sing something as really a character, an, an actor, you know, um, yeah. as when you sing traditional songs, you know, I have a song, oh, my name is Jack Hall, chimney sweep, chimney sweep. Now, obviously that's not You're autobiographical. Not. <laughs> I haven't been in chimney sweep, but I, but this guy in that's the guy in that song is a rebel. He's he's kind of got a lot of um, you know he's not messing about. He's kind of robbed people. He's been out. You know he, he's he's a proper um, you know kind of hard nut really, I guess. And so you know you can sort of get into that. You can get into the spirit of it when you sing it. Um, and he gets hanged at the end. You know he's, he's this kind of defiant sort of character. So when I'm singing that song, I'm I'm trying to embody who I think that guy is, you know, that character is. Um, but when I'd heard people sing traditional songs more, I realised that I could do that with my own original writing, that I could choose to write about something or as somebody else. And as long as there's truth within the story of that, in a way that resonates with people, if I can write it in the right way, then people are going to go with it. And so I've, I've written songs about divorce and I'm not, I haven't even been married yet, you know, and I've had, <laughs> I've had people come up to me at the end. I have this song called The One, which is on the New Testament. Um, and um, it's, it's kind of about, it's a bit like um, Father and Son by Cat Stevens, but a lot more miserable yeah. than that. Um, <laughs> and, and at the end of the gig, I've had people come up to me and say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your divorce. That's really awful what you've been through, you know, and it's like, no, no, that, you know, I, I've written that. And I feel that that's, 
you know, I, I don't feel there's anything disingenuous about that. I feel like that is a legitimate part of, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've a relatively small kind of straightforward, um, experience of the world that's like a lot of other people's experience of the world. And so I'm going to run out of stuff to write about at some point. I'm not like endlessly interesting. <laughs> so the idea that I can just grab some stories that I've, you know, some things I can see happening in my friends' worlds or, or, or stories that I've read and then they've kind of been reimagined in my mind or, or I've seen something on TV that's inspired me or whatever. The idea that I can step in, assume a voice, if you like, and step into somebody else's shoes and write a song from that point of view means that I have so much more material, more freedom to kind of say something. Um, and so there's a song on the, the on Home Waters called Surprise View, which is about, um, I'll tell you how that came about, because I guess it kind of illustrates the point is that I'd had a couple of <clears throat> people close to me who had, excuse me, lost people close to them. <clears throat> and um, it kind of got me down and I felt obviously it, it was really heavy to see people go through that. Um, and one day when I was out walking in the Peak District, which is where I live, uh, I live in Sheffield now. So the Peaks is kind of the place I go to get some headspace. You know, I'd gone walking Beautiful. in the Peaks yeah. and um, I uh, these characters popped into my head and it was a guy and his wife and um, they're, they're avid walkers, both of them. And um, the guy... Um, she sadly passes away and the guy every year goes back to um, Surprise View, which is a, 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 a viewpoint in the peaks where you can see over the Hope Valley, which couldn't be more poetically named if it tried, you know. Um, and it's a song about grief and it's a song about that need to kind of still find somebody, uh, to locate somebody, to kind of go back somewhere where you can sort of commune with somebody, even when they're not there, a special place that you remember them in, you know, and that's what the, that's what the song's about, you know. Uh, but I didn't personally go through that, and those people are, are fictional, but I know yeah. when I sing that song that it has a resonance because that's a very relatable kind yeah. of story, you know, and that that is... For me, that's where my that's what the where the inspiration of the folks folk folk music has come through my writing. I think is that I've you know when I sit and listen to a traditional singer sing about something that I can't have possibly heard of uh, or, or been involved in, but it's you know hundreds of years ago. But it's a song about love and loss, or or treachery, or lies, or or adultery, or whatever it is. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> you know affairs or whatever. You know, I get it. I get I get yeah. that, and I can be absorbed in that. And I'm not thinking. Oh yeah, but that yeah, but you weren't there, you know, and and then and then I realised that of course I don't I don't think that so I can do that as a singer too. I can have my pick of 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 things that I want to write about. I have some freedom to do stuff with that, and I don't have to always be me. I don't have to always be in the first person and literally be singing about stuff that's going on in my life. Yet at the same time, <clears throat> it's kind of hard to avoid stuff that that resonates with you personally because I've cho I chose that song for a re that subject for a reason you know and I stuck at it long enough to finish the song so <laughs> so anyway but that's that to come back to your point yes there is a again in terms of sort of stage fright or performance anxiety or things like that I find that when I'm I'm singing a song I'm trying to embody that the character that I'm singing in even if I'm singing in the first person and it is about me it's yeah. still very often just an aspect of me um, and not, you know, me and my entirety. So there is a bit of a separation in my head, you know, um, between those. And I try, I try to really embody, I'm sure like all great 
you know, great singers do, you know, just to try and like really be in the song and really give people the song and try and get out of the way a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> personally, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's really fascinating, actually, because it, it speaks to, you know, in a way, what some of the stuff that we might do with singers, you know, in terms of in, interpreting songs, there's a sort of like a belief that you have to be completely authentic. It has to be only you, you know, mm. pouring your guts out in order to be mm. relatable and to be mm. a, a proper singer. Mm. But if we, you know, if we take advice from the world of other worlds of performing, like acting, mm. you know, it's, there are many schools of thought that it's about this. You make the, the image so clear in your mind, the story, that mm. when you do it, it does feel real. Mm. But you still have this helpful uh, kind of separation in a way so mm. that you can do, you mm. know, eight shows a week or something or whatever that person might be doing and not feeling like it's it's just every night is a is a trauma of some sort, you know. Yeah. And if you've had a, you know, like you said, it made me think of someone, uh, someone like Kate Bush who, mm. you know, she invents stories about the most kind of marvelous and, and funny mm. things like, oh, what would it be mm. like if I was one of the clothes in the washing machine? Or what if I was a soul that was connected to another person and we keep meeting at different points in the world? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of great. fantastical, but if she's in it, if the imagination takes mm. you there, then it can feel really something you can connect to. And I think that's really powerful. Mm. Yeah. I yeah, think, I, yeah. I, I, I agree. Yeah, and I think we all we've all had these emotions. So even if you're sort of saying, "Yeah, I've never been in that situation before," you know, we've all watched TV, we've heard stories, we've got friends that may be going through it. <laughs> Especially if we do watch things, watch films, or read books, we go on that journey with someone, and those emotions are evoked by by the story and the images that we we create in our heads. And and that and that in itself is enough, I think, to be able to then present that and perform that and deliver that in a way that's authentic because mm. there's still a connection there. And I think as as you were saying, it's then down to you to decide how much of a connection you want that when you're performing to yeah. keep that distance. Or it might be that you connect more deeply when you're in the studio because you can then go and have a cry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Whereas on stage it's like, no, I decide not to like connect so yeah. deeply with it. It's interesting. And as you say, I don't, I don't think there's too many differences. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm not folky. So, you know, I've, I've only spoken to some folk singers and I have listened to folk music and my guitar mm. teacher also got me to sing some stuff when I was younger. So Great. I've had a little bit yeah. of a, some experience. I don't know the, the, the historical and, and I'm mm. not deeply informed, but I think there are some parallels because um, as you say, especially if you want a long career, you've got to find other things to talk about. You perhaps don't always want to have to go into an emotion just to write a song like Adele. She mm. always has to have a breakup. It's like, do you want to have to go to that place every time you want to write something? Mm. It's fine. And people resonate, resonate with that and connect with that. But that's quite hiring on the artist. But we were talking to Charlie Buns and he was talking about Dan. He, he works with Bastille. Well, I didn't realize, and they're very pop now, I think. You know, mm. they sort of started off indie and gone very pop. Mm. So he doesn't write about stories or experiences that he's had. He's, mm. He writes about films and mm. uh, TV mm. shows and stuff. Mm. So mm. even if we're not aware of it in the pop, it's there. You know, people are writing yeah. about these yeah. things. Yeah. Um, so there are parallels, I think. 
Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that I mean, for me, that, that must happen because as you said, you know, you're going to run out of material so, <laughs> so quickly if you can't explore other realms, if you like, of not just your own, your own experience, definitely. But I think, I mean, I think it comes down to the same thing it comes down to if we're watching acting and it's not working. You know, we, we don't say, oh, this isn't working because they're playing a part mm-hmm. from somebody whose life they've never, they don't, you know, we, they've definitely not done that in real life. It's because it's not believable. They're not believable in the part and we're not going with them. Yeah. So that believability, that's hard, I think. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how how, you know, for example, you see one band and they're doing don't know, a blues thing and you're totally in it. It's totally authentic and they're absolutely pulling it off. And there's another band that's doing it and it's like, you know, it's not quite happening. And I think it's very subtle. I mean, it has to do with the style and the music and all the rest of it. But there's something about believability. As long as it's believable, it doesn't have to be true. Does that make sense? It doesn't have to be literally your your truth, you know. Um, Because we want to go and see if you can nail, I don't know, a Queen song, then... (laughs) <laughs> and you're believable being Freddie Mercury, then that's awesome. You don't have to write your own songs even, do you? So, no, um, no. Or even yeah. if it's believable escapism. I mean, think of the number of people, you know, back in the day from places like, you know, the north of England or Scotland who were really, mm. really into things like glam rock, like you mm. know, Roxy Music and David Bowie. And I think it's part of it because it was before my time, but I really loved it when I was growing up. And I think it was partly this idea of this these images it created. Mm. You know, you could be in Acapulco or you could yeah. be kind of on a spaceship going to, yeah. you know, whatever. It was, but it was so kind of well presented that you just, it took you away from whatever you were. Yeah. And, and you know, I guess you could be at a folk gig and, and travel back in time or travel forwards in time if the yep. story is is true enough for you yeah. as the listener. Yeah, absolutely. That's always the hope, I guess. <laughs> Very philosophical. I like this. Very philosophical, <laughs> yeah. The Connected Singer. And just like that, we've come to the end of part one with Sam. Part two should be sitting patiently in line for you to jump straight on, or at least will be available in a day or two. It's definitely a must-listen, as Sam will be speaking very honestly and openly about performance anxiety and self-doubt. He also shares with us how he harmonises the connection between his mind and body. It's actually given us some inspiration for some new guests. (laughs) Don't forget, we also do have a community growing in our Facebook group, where you can engage with us or other like-minded singers, ask questions and find more tips and tools on singing-related topics. And I often post the odd live video in there just updating everybody with what's going on. So I really hope to see you there. Bye for now. The Connected Singer